0: Happy Friday, everyone. And thank you for joining us on Friday Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall-Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association.
1: And I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Friday Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday.
0: Well, we are joined this morning by Ellen Pogamiller, the illustrious, the famous, the wonderful Ellen Pogamiller, mm-hmm. uh, one of our lobbyists, member of our legislative and political organizing team. Good morning, Ellen. Thank
2: you for that nice introduction. <laughs> My <laughs> first time to join the podcast, so we're I'm very
0: excited. Yes, we're excited that you're here. We so uh, we got all right. Election Day. We got to talk about Election Day, and the state legislature is what we want to focus on this morning. So, give us a. We need a recap. Where, first of all, incumbents, how did everybody do this time?
2: Um, for the most part, we're going to see the majority of individuals who um, were able to be um, reelected, reelected. We uh-huh. had a few losses um, in a lot on the Democratic side, to be honest. Uh-huh. Um, we lost Kelly Albright, who was a fantastic education um, educator um, for Midwest City. Um, and then we lost about five other candidates, but we gained a couple of new education candidates, which we're really excited about. Um, Dick Lowe is an ag instructor, um, and Blake Cowboy-Stevens is a school counselor. Um, yes. and Joanna Dossett is yes. an um, OEA <laughs> member and, yeah um, educator and, and Max Wolfie is another candidate we gained, um, Educator um, that will be added to our education caucus.
0: I, You know, to me, it was really exciting that when you look at the total that we actually gained, we net, netted two more education caucus members this year. And that's, I mean, that sounds like a small number, but in a legislature, our side, that's a big deal, right? It's, like, that's a big deal.
2: Yeah, it's a huge deal. And I like that they kind of represent different um, populations, you know, you yes. have your ad community, Your school counselors and elementary kids and then um, Senator-elect Joanna Dossett represents um, language learners, English language learners. Um, So that's a really important voice to bring to the Capitol.
0: You're so right. And it's interesting to like when you think about all the I mean, it's very representative of our state. All the all the things that education touches every day. You know, mm-hmm. all the different issues that that we see in the classroom, that we see in the counselor's office, in the lunchroom, like those are, those lawmakers are going to bring those things to the table. They're going to know what it's like for families who don't speak English at home and their kids are, their kids are trying to learn, you know, in a traditional setting. So it's a, it's a good, a good broad range of, of people. Um, so talk to us a little bit now for those who might not be familiar. Um, there, it, the OEA has a political action committee, which is funded separately from dues dollars, completely separately.
1: Completely, it's money given over and above dues dollars specifically to the fund for children in public education. Our OEA political action committee,
0: and it's run it's run by members only. It's de- everybody like decides what races to get involved in, what you know,
1: who to give money to, how much, how to, you know, whatever the different candidates to support that interview kind of thing. process based solely on education issues, yep.
0: so, all the things. So just uh, that little intro for folks who might not be familiar with a PAC. Um, so how, how did the PAC do? How did PAC candidates do, um, on Tuesday?
2: Um, overall they did really well. What was interesting is that the way that PAC candidates work we actually start endorsing in June Mm -hmm. um, because there were a lot of elections in June um, where there was only, you know, maybe one primary candidate either on the Republican or Democratic side. And so that candidate would go on to win. So overall, if you look at the candidates we recommend, um, we did extremely well. Um, I think out of those we lost maybe a handful, but for the majority we did exceptionally well. We were able to, target and identify candidates who understood educational issues Mm -hmm. and understood why it's important to bring that voice to the Capitol. And um, when you talk about interviewing candidates, these are, we try so hard to engage members on both um, who are PAC paying members Mm -hmm. on both the Republican and Democratic side. So it feels really empowering to interview both candidates and have this diverse group of members sit down and say, okay, what." which candidate would bring the issues that we are most concerned about right now to the Capitol. Um, and overlooking this, I saw, you know, from June through November, we recommended 17 Republican candidates and 19 Democratic candidates. So which it's is a very bipartisan process.
0: I mean, that's yeah. reflective of our membership. Right. We're I mean, 50, you know, I mean, just about 50, 50 yeah, split about, yeah. with a smattering
1: of independence.
0: Yeah. And, you know, this this year to me, this whole election cycle is so interesting because there were so many uncontested races, a bazillion, I think is the correct <laughs> term, and there were a ton that were decided in June. So it was really sort of a, a small, a smallish list of folks who were actually on election day had had opponents. So it was just a, an interesting year to me.
2: Yeah, and and you know... While we're excited for our education candidates, it is exciting to also be in a race so that those issues emerge really strongly with your constituents. But overall, yeah. talking to our um, candidates that we recommended, um, while education is an issue we all care greatly about, it was reflective in the communities that they serve. Mm-hmm. This is still continues to be a major issue. Um, it continues to be something that um, their constituents want to see invested in and yes. improved. And um, that, to me, was important um, as we move forward.
0: So the good news is that all the work is now done.
2: Man, I wish. <laughs>
1: Now it's what? now it's about building relationships and um and bridging some of those gaps that were created by that dark money negative campaigning. Yeah. And um She's and got, reaching out yeah. and and making sure that you know we are we are congratulating those who uh are now going to be our legislators and um and corporation commissioners and you know all the way down the ballot and um and talking to them so what Ellen what do you think is a good way to reach out and build a relationship
2: um well there are several ways I mean one I was when I'm thinking about what do our legislators need to know and how do we need to tell them
3: mm-hmm.
2: um easily the the easiest way to engage your members Um, or engage your legislator with your members is to invite them to a meeting. Um, And it doesn't have to be in person anymore. If your legislator may not live in your community but they serve your community, we are well aware that Zoom and Google Meets work. <laughs> <What>? So <laughs> I, I was painfully really, aware. Yes, painfully aware. <laughs> so I really encourage everyone, like this is your opportunity. You can invite them to your classroom, but you can also invite them to a meeting via Zoom. Um,
0: yeah, that's a great
2: idea. I work yeah, I work a lot with Duncan Public Schools and as one of their one of my locals. And they do an incredible job of reaching out now to their legislators. They know session starts in February. And so Mm -hmm. the best time to engage your legislator, whether newly elected or returning, is to reach out to that member now and ask them, what's your availability? What's your comfort level of engaging with our members and letting us tell you our story? Um, One of the things, if you are a legislator this year and you don't have kids, and you don't come from an education background. There are going to be so many new words that we are all using in education. Oh my word! Around, um, yes. You know what is distant learning? What is Canvas? What is asynchronous learning? These are, as a parent, are words that I have what is come to understand. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I think it's important for our legislators to really understand. What our schools look like right now in COVID, how our educators are going above and beyond, and what are the programs that they are using to reach out to all of their students, and what are the Mm -hmm. challenges that they face this year? This, to me, I just, the more I think about it, this is a critical time um, to reach out to your legislators, and I would encourage everyone to do it, you know, today. (laughs) And
1: and should you start that letter with, I didn't work for you on this campaign, I worked for your for your opponent <laughs> i'm sad you were elected i'm However, sad that you were elected um you're you're not my cup of tea i mean but here's what's going on if you care in my classroom
2: yes i mean it you know
3: we
2: i you know along with everyone probably had at least one uh vote that didn't go their way and so yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that person who was elected doesn't still represent me, right. my family and my values. And so, um, we can't dismiss um, that our opinions are different, but what we can engage with is that, you know, public education is one of the largest investment our state makes., yes. And so because of that, these legislators have to understand what our school looks like this year regardless if we voted for them or not.
0: You know, thinking about thinking about this um, this issue, you know, lawmakers vote on so many things. I mean, you think about any one person's areas, area of expertise. If you were sent to the Capitol tomorrow, there would be things that you would be like, I have no idea. Like if someone said, vote on these banking bills, I'd be like, oh, my word, what? Yeah. <laughs> like our lawmakers need experts in the field that are reliable and honest and real that they can that they can lean on and and no wait a second. what is this what does this bill mean to you? what is this what would these changes look like? And we should be those people. you know we're, we live it and breathe it every day just like you were talking about Ellen like if you don't have a kid in school right now or you're not engaged in education, you might not have any idea what that looks like or what the jargon means. and you need good people to to be able to call and rely on and say wait a second, what is this? How how do you feel about it? How does this look in in my communities? Because if you're not in it, you you just genuinely might
1: not know. And and that's why we started that little segment with uh, building relationships. Yeah, you you have to introduce yourself and lead with um, with reaching out and with making uh you know m- making an attempt to. Uh, to help somebody out and to put yourself out there to, to water the grass in your area and make mm. it greener
3: mm-hmm.
1: as, as Andy Moore will say later on <laughs> <laughs> in the podcast.
2: And I, I, the one other group I, you know, didn't talk about specifically, but like our ESP members who, you know, mm-hmm. one of the things I always tell our members is you should invite a legislator onto a school bus. Well, that's probably not possible this year, but understanding what our bus drivers are doing to make sure that kids get safely to Seriously. school every single day Seriously. or that our cafeteria workers are working overtime to make sure that our food is distributed in lines as parents drive by or in the classroom or in a cafeteria, whatever mm-hmm. function they're doing. yes, It's above and beyond too. And so um, I just think this is a time where we, Show our educators, our, show our legislators how our entire staff has stepped up to not only serve kids, but in return, serve the whole community.
0: Can I, like, as you said that, I seriously, my representative is Colin Waukee. I'm putting him on notice. I want him to come and meet the, the cafeteria workers who have been feeding our family and all the families in our neighborhood for months. Like they are incredible and people should, they should see that. They should know that. Like it's like, it is the very best of us. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to make a call right after this. Ellen, thank you very much. Like (laughs) our custodians
1: that are making sure that every touched surface is sanitized. Yeah.
0: Like think about how, like how busy they are. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. Right. Because if you've ever
1: been in a school. Kids walk down the halls, touching the walls just to be touching something. Have you have, you met, just... have you met kids? Right, there's a lot of tactile things happening. Yes, uh, there's a lot of stuff that is wet and <laughs> and gushy and not yours. But I mean,
0: but yeah, if you if you don't have if you're not, I see it. You know what I mean? Because my kids right. are there. But if you if you don't have kids in school, it might not be something that is on your radar. So that's such yeah. a great idea. Um, Representative Walkie, I'm calling you after this just
3: to heads up. <laughs> um,
0: well, Ellen, thank you for the recap. Um, thank you for uh, all that you do to keep track of everything and talk to our lawmakers and um, help promote education. We appreciate you very much.
2: Yes, thank you so much, and thank you to all our members, too, who voted. Um, we, you know, did a hustle where we outreach the members to remind them uh, to get out and vote, and I'm telling you, 60-plus percent of our members had already voted before election day and had already, those who hadn't had plans to show up on election day. So it feels powerful to have a group that's not only invested in the classroom, but is invested outside of the classroom and, and voting on big issues and sending legislators to the Capitol to work on issues that we all care about.
1: And the reality is OEA members historically vote at much higher levels than, uh, non OEA members that are educators. So, uh, we love we love engagement and we love to know about what's going on in the world so thank you very much ellen
2: thank you
1: we're joined this morning by
0: andy moore of let's fix this how are you doing andy i'm
4: good thanks for having me on again
0: yeah we're glad to have you back um it, we wanted to have a conversation with you um, really more about civics, less about politics. Um, there's so much happening nationally um, with the presidential vote count that it's raised a lot of questions about, about Oklahoma's system because we seem to really be on the ball. Um, so can you talk to us a little bit about um, how counting happens in Oklahoma? Why is Oklahoma, why did we know our outcome on Tuesday night and there are states that are still counting?
4: Sure. Yeah, I think you made some really important distinctions there, like between civics and politics. Those are, you know, civic life is not just politics. There's a lot more that goes into it. Sure. And and you are quite correct. Oklahoma's electoral system is is literally a, a top ten electoral system. We have you know some processes in place that make it very secure, and we have um, some uh, you know rules and laws surrounding that. That in these cases, like make it a good thing that that, that we know the outcome of the election. So uh, perhaps most importantly, well, there's we'll talk about absentee voting, but obviously in-person voting is done on election day, um, or if you voted early. So those those three days just prior, mm-hmm. all those those votes go into the computer absentee ballots is where all the questions are this year mm-hmm. and they as they flow into um, the the election board they get received and reviewed and scanned um, kind of in advance and all mm-hmm. that data is saved to some encrypted drives um, but it is not uploaded into the the total thing until election day and so what this means is that Oklahoma, you know, in a year like this, can start processing absentee ballots before election day, mm-hmm. and that is different than some other states that have laws where they are essentially not allowed to tabulate absentee ballots until after election day or on election day. You know, so when
0: when you say but, that it. it I, I dropped my ballot off in person. I voted absentee, but then I was a little concerned about the ice storm, you know, delaying things. So I just went and dropped mine off in person. And that day you could see on the voter portal, the little green check that they had received it, processed yep. it, all that stuff. So, I mean, and when I think about election returns, you can open it up at a little after seven and you see absentee already on there.
1: Yeah. And, and That's right. you know, the the safety protocols that we have in place when I dropped mine off, because I did the same thing as you, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I was gonna mail it on that Tuesday and the Tuesday before and the ice storm cometh. And, (laughs) and then, uh, so I took it up to uh, Canadian County Election Board. Um, They made me show my ID to verify that I was the one dropping off my own ballot. Mm -hmm. They certify it. They stamp it received. It goes through a a huge process. It's amazing.
0: But that's not true for all states, right? I mean, other states are not doing it before like Oklahoma does.
4: Right. Yeah, there are a number of states that are their, their laws are such that they are not allowed to count any ballots until on election day. And in some cases, they're not allowed to start counting those ballots until after Election Day. Uh, And, you know, I think it's important for listeners to remember that we have 50 states plus the District of Columbia. So Mm -hmm. 51 different electoral systems.
3: Some
4: are similar, you know, and some are very different. Um, But what we're seeing in these swing states, you know, naturally, of course, like (laughs) the way that it happens in those states, um, happens to be the states that are um, most crucial to this election. Sure. But right. They're, they're still counting. So they, they were not, you know, in Pennsylvania and Arizona and um, uh, where else? Are we still Nevada, um, Nevada. Yep, Nevada, yeah, um, Nevada uh, North Carolina. They were not allowed to start counting ballots uh, until on Election Day. And those are, uh, especially in Pennsylvania, those are very Populous states, so but they yeah. have way more, right? So, I mean, even Georgia, of course, is another one. Uh, Georgia's population is about ten million, ten and a half million people. So, they are, you know, two and a half times the size yeah. of Oklahoma, which means they've got two and a half times as many ballots.
3: Yeah.
0: Got. How so? I mean, basically, long story short, Oklahoma is awesome. Um, in that regard in yes. that regard so yeah who so who sets this is uh, who are these state legislatures that are deciding how this works
4: yeah um and so in most cases you know election laws are are defined by that state's legislature mm-hmm. uh, in some way i don't think any of them are just ru- like administrative rules mm-hmm. that it's up to the ele- election board yeah um, you know in in many cases because of covid this year States have, have honestly made voting easier, uh, yeah. including mail voting, um, than it would be otherwise. And, you know, I just had a thought that one thing I want to point out that's important is that ballots are being counted in a ton of states, not just these five swing states.
3: Right. I mean, right. They're
4: being counted in Vermont and Utah and all these other places.
3: Yeah. Oklahoma,
4: because our laws are everything should be co- counted in advance, mm. you know, absentee ballots must be received. By election day, Mm -hmm. we essentially get everything done that night. So we're one of the only states that, that get it done that way. But there are, there are still counting. If you look at the, you know, the projection maps, many states are still counting ballots. Yeah. However, it only, the, the margin is only narrow in a handful of states. And those are the ones that we're all, you know, watching with bated breath.
0: Yeah. So talk to us about voter turnout this year in Oklahoma.
4: Uh, it was huge, right? The highest ever, yeah, um, uh, for Oklahoma, and and it was high across the country. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think it's um, interesting and and helpful to understand. Like it was high across the board. So not yeah. usually elections are determined by one party or the other turning out more of their of their base, um, but in this election, it seems like in many places, Oklahoma included, turnout was high from both parties uh, and so it was just more folks showing up you know some of my friends that that worked as poll workers on election day that they had a whole bunch of first-time voters come through That's they so obviously cool. don't know how they voted but it was just exciting to see this many people showing up and saying my vote matters i want my voice to be heard
0: yeah so so here's my question how how do we turn this level of interest <laughs> into people showing up for school board and city council and county questions and like all the down ballot stuff like the I mean I just want to I mean I've said this before and I'll say it again I just want to shout at people like feel free to come back like you yeah. can you can come back every time let's <laughs> let's do this
1: again soon yeah
0: I just like I to me it's so exciting that people are engaging and I just want I just Like, I want to see that same number come back. And, you know, in Oklahoma City, we're going to have school board races in the spring. I just want everybody to come back for that. Come back. Like, how do you turn that level of excitement into long-term civic engagement?
4: Yeah, that is the million-dollar question. I was hoping you
0: would know, Andy, because I don't know. (laughs) I don't know the
4: answer. (laughs) We were (laughs) counting on you. (laughs) That's right. Um, It's. Voter turnout is a constant effort, right? Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. we've seen, there's a lot of discussion about what happened in Georgia and the impact of Stacey Abrams down there mm-hmm. on working to get people registered to vote, right? So that's yeah. the first step is that people have to be registered to vote. So we got to start there. Um, you know, turnout in presidential elections is always higher than, sure. you know, um, mid cycle and, and all the other random local elections. And and I think people people don't understand they they see the presidency as like this big thing that affects all of us. Mm-hmm. But the the fact is, and I'm sure many of your listeners know, these local elections, like your city council and your school yes. board, honestly have a bigger effect on your day to day life and your family <laughs> than some of the national races.
0: Yes, yeah, and and that I think too. It's just, I mean. I think a lot of people don't understand necessarily how government works or what the layers are that you know you have to engage at the city level, the school district level, the county level, the state level. I mean, I don't know. You know this. I'm just telling <laughs> I'm telling you stuff you already yeah. know. Oh my gosh.
4: Well, and I can I'll give you a very tangible example um, of how this is important that I've experienced just in the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. So, um, I live in Oklahoma City and Oklahoma City last year, year before, passed this comprehensive bike walk OKC plan, right? So about mm, yeah. sidewalks and bike lanes and all this stuff all across the city. And my neighborhood is in was left out. It was kind of in between two areas of, of priority for the city. And, you know, every day I drive down my streets. Uh, we don't have sidewalks. I live in a, an older neighborhood, so mm. they didn't put sidewalks in back in the 30s when they built right. these houses. And but we have an elementary school and a high school just a couple of blocks away, and a ton of kids walk to school, right? And some of them have to cross major streets like Twenty Third or um, Pennsylvania Avenue or May Avenue. Like they have to mm-hmm. cross big streets to get there. Yeah. And even once they're in the neighborhood, it's not safe. People drive too fast. You know, they, there's blind right. corners, all this stuff. Right. And so my neighbors and I have been complaining about it. You know, when we see each other out walking around the neighborhood. And so we, you know, three of us decided to get together and send a, a message to our city council member, James Cooper, and and say, hey, can we just talk about this just so that we can at least say we tried, right? Yeah. And Councilman Cooper was very responsive. He got a city planner. We set up a Zoom call. Um, and so they took an hour and a half to go through the Bike Walk OKC plan with us. They listened to us, so we gave feedback, not just on our neighborhood, but on surrounding neighborhoods and how mm-hmm. we connect to other things. And I, as I reflected on that the last couple of weeks, and we were, you know, we're still working on what this could look like to kind of put together our, our list of requests.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, but I mean, still every day, I drive down these streets, I see kids walking, you know, I, I this is things that I deal with every day that I think about every day. Now, tax policy is important and you know, immigration is important, these things, but the things that like the roads that we drive on, the schools, our kids go to, these are things that affect us day to day. And honestly, probably give us more consternation than, than some of these bigger, (laughs) like esoteric issues. Um, And not that they're not important, but just in a day to day impact, those decisions are made by those local officials. and Your neighbors. The more the, we understand, right, our neighbors that we can build a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. We can really be a force for good in making this world better.
1: Yes, and that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. True story. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, who who doesn't want to make the world just a little bit better? If
0: they're not listening to this podcast, right? If they're feeling like that,
1: yeah, yeah. So, Andy, you know, we've we've all run in elections um, of some form whether it's, you know, uh,
0: middle school student council
1: or, or, you know, <laughs> president of OEA, uh, but, um, we've had good candidates lose. Uh, what advice do you have for somebody that is handling a, uh, losing an election right now?
4: Yeah. I, do you mean the candidates or the supporters of the candidates candidate
1: and supporters? Right.
4: Both. Sure. You know, a few months ago, I read something that said, choosing to work in politics is choosing to have your heart broken. And I had <laughs> thought about that a lot, <laughs> yeah. um, particularly as the campaign that I was involved with, right? our ballot campaign, right. got sidelined by the COVID pandemic. Yeah. Um, and we you know, had to kind of give up our, our dream of being on the ballot this year. It was heartbreaking, and it's hard. And then I mean, the reality is that in the election, right, there are... And under our current system, this could change, but under our current system, you basically have two sides, right? Like one candidate or the other, yes or no. Right. And that means that half the folks are generally going to be disappointed, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> that, oh, that's fair. That's, kind of the way that's it works. true. But I think it's important to remember that democracy continues, right? It, it is always evolving, always moving. Mm-hmm. And that means there will be another election for that same issue or same seat yeah. in two years or four years. Right. Yeah. In almost every case, six years in the case of the Senate, but everything else like, okay, you stand up. And there's, if you Google um, Abraham Lincoln's history, right? Like right. he, he lost <laughs> the election. The first time he ran is um, the love of his life died before he was you know, like, he had a bunch of things that were, Really difficult, could have been life changing things. And yet he kept going, right? And Mm -hmm. is, you know, one of the presidents, if not the president, I think that most Americans look up to as, as the benchmark for, for the presidency. And so just because he faced a loss, uh, doesn't mean that the game is over entirely. It's okay to take stock of where you're at, lick your wounds, you know, reflect on what could have been done differently. And then go out and do it differently next
1: time. Yes, but just don't give up. Don't give yes. up on your ideals. Don't give up on you know your core beliefs and and working toward making the world a better place. Because mm-hmm. what do we all yeah. really want? World peace.
0: I don't know if we're gonna get well, that, that maybe uh, this week, <laughs> but we'll. <right. laughs> but we can push for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
4: You know, regardless of, of who is leading and, and ballot counting at a given moment, sure. you will see people on the other side. They're like, this is terrible. I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving the state. I'm leaving the country. Yeah. And it's like, you can't just take your ball and go home. Like, this is our society. <laughs> right. right. Like, yes. And,
0: we all have a piece of and, ownership in it.
4: Yes. Right. If you have the means and you want to move to Costa Rica, like, knock yourself out. Right. Oh, man. I guarantee people in Costa Rica... Uh, or Denmark or wherever Canada, <laughs> like they also get frustrated and want to leave, right? right. Like right. They, <laughs> the grass is always greener, and it is greener where you water it. And so, in a state yes. like Oklahoma, like where you can know your elected officials, right? Like mm-hmm. you can get their cell phone and text. like they yes. will—they are pretty accessible. There's no reason to not at least try, right. and even if you miss out. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't find another way to keep going um, and to stay involved.
1: I have got to use that quote on my daughter. She was devastated by a certain race that she had put some sweat equity into. And and um, and the grass is greener where you water it is really... Put it on a mug. Uh-huh. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> it, 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 is, it it's true. And that's why we stay here and that's why we continue to fight the fights that we that we do and and do the advocacy work that we do and it is so exciting to partner with you on those things andy
0: thank you so much for your time this morning yeah we appreciate the the work you do to engage voters and uh we appreciate you coming back and visiting with us well you got to come back and give us a pep talk again another time soon (laughs) for sure
4: Um, i'd be happy to i'd be happy to
1: (laughs) thanks andy And welcome to Alicia's morning announcements. do do doo doo. That was pretty impressive uh, <laughs> considering <laughs> the amount of tiredness that I feel. <laughs> that that chime was uh, was an overrepresentation of my feelings. <laughs> so, um so just to let everybody know that we had a special edition of Fried Okra on election night, and we talked to a diverse array of folks uh, our legislative and political organizers for OEA, book ended, uh, you know, beginning and ending. We had uh, incumbents, we had people who were running for the first time, Republicans, Democrats, rural. It was Metro. I mean, it was, it was super fun. It, it was super fun. And we've got all those videos broken down into little chunks Yeah, uh, on our Facebook page. So go on the Facebook page and watch some of those videos. Get to know some of our, our new educators. We had Cowboy Blake Stevens. If you watch and- them in
0: order, you can see us get punchier as the <laughs> evening goes on. Like
1: <laughs> Kind of like the morning announcements. Right. Because it's the last thing that we record. Right. It's
0: awesome. Things get weird at the end. Yeah. Watch them in order. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: we also have uh, a couple of events coming up with NEA member benefits. Now, if you uh, are not using your member benefits and you're a member, you are missing out on some fabulous discounts and, and great deals. I mean, seriously. Especially with- big stuff. Yes. Like, yeah. I, I'm not even kidding. One time I saved like $700 on a vacation. See?
0: Like appliances? all kinds, anyway, anyway, all kinds of stuff.
1: Yeah. We're not all taking vacations right now, right?
0: But, <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, seriously. In my mind. In, in, yeah. Uh, you may think that my mind is on a vacation yeah. right now. Uh, anyway... So one of them is the NEA member benefits overview. It's going to be from 430 to 6 on November 17th. Uh, NEA, our our representative, David Glenn, will be giving an overview on the many benefits that come with OEA NEA membership from complimentary life insurance and discounts on entertainment, shopping, dining. David will cover it all. And
0: can I just say... That like he is
1: a delightful human being. Oh uh, so the nicest
0: guy. You are gonna be in a good mood at the <laughs> like yes. I can just guarantee, I don't even know everything he's gonna cover, but you'll just feel better about the world because he is delightful.
1: Supportive and helpful and wants you to engage and use yes. your benefits. Yes. I mean, you're wasting money if you're not. Yeah. Uh that's free. Plain and simple. Free. That's why they're called benefits. <laughs> uh, and then the second one is going to be on November 19th from four, starting at 430. And he is going to explain how you can get help paying off your student debt loans, including how you can get a year of free membership in Savvy Student Loan Forgiveness Program. And that sounds awesome. Y- yes, Yes because this is a program that monitors what kind of loan you have how they can tap you into getting those those uh relief payments yeah. um, and forgiveness I mean it's Cuz
0: Betsy DeVos doesn't going to help you.
1: Faux show.
0: So it's I mean that program is awesome so.
1: Yeah because you know um because her program will kick you out if you don't <laughs> cross a T yeah. in the how in the application you? process. Yeah and um and savvy is there to help you make sure that all your
0: it's worth to listen to if you have any if you have any student loans i think it's worth listening to
1: absolutely um and uh and tomorrow is committee saturday and that is a huge day at oea um our um our committees will be meeting and discussing you know what's going on with we have a member benefits committee. They'll hear about new member benefits and, and current benefits. We have communications. They go over things. Um, we've, we've got affiliate relations. They look at, you know, what's going on within our, uh, local areas, our regions and the way we're made up. Make sure we have the, uh, uh, the correct ratio of members to board members. I mean, human and civil rights, human and civil rights, ESP. So uh, yes, our education support professionals uh, have a committee collective bargaining committee. I mean, that's a good work. We, we have, I think 16 standing committees. So, um, so there's a lot of work that gets done and then it's our responsibility to push that work outside of the four walls or Mm -hmm. the screens because Mm -hmm. we're not meeting in person. Right. It's all virtual. Um, So anyway, uh it it's a fantastic thing um committee saturday and then we have a board meeting after that yep so um it's going to be a full day and on saturday for us here at the oea
0: doing the work of the association
1: always always and someday i will get to sleep
0: not today not not today Uh, Well, well, we want to say thank you so much to Ellen Pogamiller of our Legislative and Political Organizing Committee. Thank you to Andy Moore of Let's Fix This. And thank you to you for listening to Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernell-Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association.
1: And I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at friedokrapodcast at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.